We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC 246, and I can't believe I'm saying it. It's Conor McGregor Fight Week. Cody Saftik here in studio with me. I mean, there's over the last year and a half, and Conor hasn't won a fight in three years. There's been so many different things that have happened with him. People don't come to us for, like, whether he did or didn't do certain things. Like, that's for a different discussion altogether. In the court but of law. In the court of law and, and so on and so forth. But there is a certain level of buzz and excitement and, and all of that. And I didn't, honestly, once he got that Floyd money, once he got the Floyd FU money, I didn't know if we would ever say that again. Like, he has, uh, if not for the legal lawsuits and all of the other shit that's been going on in his life... I don't know if he really needs to come back and cash another check, but here we are. He's taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone, and I'm sure you're as excited as I am. Yeah, of course. Obviously, I'm excited. You're excited. But when you talk about that Conor McGregor fight week buzz, like, do you feel the same buzz? It's always been tremendous hype every time Conor McGregor fights. It doesn't matter who he fights. Adamant object. It's a big fight. People are just interested in what he's doing. But it almost feels like it's kind of become tiresome. Like, you remember it was, like, when the Irish touched down and it was this huge, like, uh, contingent of Irish fans that would come over from Ireland to support him. I, I don't know that it's that, 
that same support. I'm excited to see him back, but he's got a lot of proving to do. And that what's, that's what makes this fight even more interesting. This is UFC, not necessarily a, a numbered pay-per-view. It's UFC, where's your head at? Because we'll talk about the whole car, but like a lot of these fights got a ton of question marks. And he himself has a bunch of them. We won't jump into it right away, but uh, yeah, no, I, I feel myself excited because it's UFC back. It's the new year. We're back rolling, you know, talking fights. I'm excited for that. But yeah, you've got the prized possession of we want this sport to grow. We want more viewership. We want people to become fans. And how are they going to do that? They need stars. And who's their star? This guy. So he needs a good performance, and we're looking forward. Before we get to that, it feels like it was forever ago, but there was a UFC winner for the last card UFC of the year. Busan, Korea? Yes, and it was uh, MB Gend. M-B-G-E-N-D. Congratulations. You, I'm about 100% sure that you have 20 DK dollars in your account. If you want to win 20 DK dollars this week, Cody will tell you how to get involved in the draw. Okay, so Connor obviously comes out, talks a lot of shit. That's normally how he does it. This time he's cool, he's calm, he's relaxed. He knows something that perhaps we don't. He seems super confident in a good place. What does he know that we don't? Connor did something to prepare for Cowboy Cerrone. Whether he brought in an actual cowboy, whether he did a bunch of cocaine, whether he did some type of miraculous thing in camp, brought in a live bull, whatever. Give me your theory on what, why is Connor so calm here? What does he know that we don't for how he prepared for Donald Cerrone? And you could win the 20 DK dollars. I hear that he had like Tony Robbins come in for motivational speaking and stuff like that and help him out with that. So maybe he was playing touch butt in the park again. He's got to get back to his roots. Anyway, let's get into it. We got Connor McGregor, obviously making his return. He's a minus 330 favorite Donald Cerrone is a plus 270. Who do you got here? Yeah, the question is, and should only really be, is Connor's power going to translate to 170? The opportunities to knock out Donald Cerrone are going to present themselves, but he needs to do it within two rounds. Connor, for as good as he is, and he's a great fighter, he really is, but we, we've seen the blueprint here, is that A, his cardio always falters, so you got to get him to deeper rounds. Yeah, the ground game, sure, but we know he's been working on it. But if he doesn't knock you out early, and you can extend him, then that's when you're going to find your opportunities. Cerrone himself will have opportunities to win this fight, but he is notoriously a slow starter. He doesn't deal well against southpaws. He's kind of slow for the division. He doesn't move his head all that well, and he's not known to take the greatest punch. These are all things going to play against him. Especially to the body. Yeah, but for we talk about how great of a power puncher and how precise and how accurate and all these different things about Conor McGregor. It's very important to note right off the bat, whatever his three biggest knockouts, three biggest knockouts of his career, probably he takes out Dustin Poirier, uh, he takes out... Jose Aldo. He takes out Jose Aldo, and he takes out... Alvarez? Um, yeah, you could say Eddie Alvarez, or you could say... But you're trying to draw say, the... You're, you're trying to say... The, yeah, you're trying to, you're trying to draw the... Uh, the featherweight correlation. Right, he was the right, best right, featherweight right. And, of all time. And, and beyond beyond featherweight correlation, right? He knocks out Dustin Poirier. But dude, Dustin Poirier, 145 pounds? You seen the size of this guy? He had bad bad weight cuts, and that hurt mm-hmm. him at 45, especially with his punch resistance. Jose Aldo, man, Jose Aldo. We're, we're surprised he made 35 a couple months, oh, like a month ago, but... Prior to that, man, this guy had bad weight cuts at 145 pounds. Maybe his punch resistance was compromised from that. You don't know. Eddie Alvarez, again, not he, he, that one was a miraculous, was a great counter performance. But, uh, but again, you look at his past victims, and a lot of the cases, Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes, it's not that he had trouble making 145 pounds, but he took the fight on a week's notice, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, he was compromised in the second round of that fight. So he's had a lot of good things going for him. That's why the power looks there. But again, Nate Diaz, 170, he's unable to finish him. But Nate Diaz took a an inhuman amount of punishment in those fights. Punishment I don't see Donald Cerrone taking. Anyways, what I'm getting at is I got, I got Conor McGregor. I think Conor McGregor's a better fight. The, the fact that he hasn't won a fight in three years, the fact that he's lost his two, last two, I, I don't really 
give a whole bunch of credit to that. He's fought the two greatest generational stars in two different sporting events and gave a good account of them on both, on both times. It's whether or not he can go out there and take out Donald Cerrone within two. Because if not, Donald Cerrone is going to take this fight into later rounds and preferably probably has to get him to the ground and submit. Let me ask you a question. These and, guys fight four times. Does Donald Cerrone win any of them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a fight, Paul. Does he if they win fight, one of if four? They fight, if they fight twice, it could be a split pairing. Because implied though, probability on a plus 270. This no, is what, this is what I'm struggling with right now. That's the next thing we got to get. It's 27%. So, like, he wins one of four. I think we're getting dangerously close to it. If he's plus 300, I may have to take a step. I think, I, I think Conor McGregor's going to win. I think he wins more often than not, but... I kind of see it more as like a 65-35, maybe a 70-30. But we're, we're getting into value territory on Cerrone. I want to see how the way... And like I think this line is going to continue to grow as Connor continues to look good in interviews and all of that. He's and not he, really and he doing a whole lot of He's been media. confident. Every single time one of these videos drops of Connor McGregor yeah, speaking into the going. microphone, I know, the price I know. spikes. I the know. price spikes. I you know. think as we go on throughout this week, we're going to have weigh-ins and stare-downs and all of that and the public money is going to continue to come in i'm guessing the public money is going to continue to come in and the books only want to take so much liability on this i feel like i may end up with a donald cerrone bet although conor mcgregor is my pick to win well you're right i feel like it's tough to trust a guy after all these years doing boatloads of cocaine let's let's just put that out on the table this guy big boats and hey I am a, he's, a, he's 31, I'm a 34-year-old guy, I've made some questionable decisions, I've partied and have fun in my life. You know what I don't feel like doing the next morning after that? Waking up and going to the gym. Now, he says that he goes, that he hasn't drank in like five months or so. I'm going to have to believe him on that. He does seem laser-focused. He looks like he's in tremendous shape. I don't like the fact that it's 170 pounds because I don't think he's a, like, he, he walks around at that weight. Um, that may help his cardio and all of those other issues that we've talked about before. But yeah, the power, which is like his number one go-to thing that helps him win fights, I don't know if it translates up there. It barely translates at 155. Even the Eddie Alvarez fight, it wasn't because it was like a one, one-hitter-quitter type of shot. It was just precision, uh, perfect striking. Um, Connor can win this fight, a bunch of other... I see a lot of inside-the-distance props that people are betting. Connor round one is around, like, plus plus 150 or so. I mean, if you really have a hot take on that and you think he just buzzes right through him, good on you. That's, that's where I would go, but I wouldn't be adding minus 330 Connor McGregor after all of the question marks and things that he had been doing in, his, in the last year and a half. A man that has been going down that path, it's hard to lay this type of number. Okay, Especially okay. against a credible Fair, opponent. fair. So here's, here's a very rich, wealthy man. And lawsuits aside, like you mentioned at the top of the show, maybe he's taking this fight because ah, he's got all these legal lawsuits he's got to settle and we didn't think we'd see him again. Like I don't think he's fighting for the money. I think he's fighting because here's a guy that's at the top of the world and everybody loves him. He's the king of the mountain. He accomplishes everything he wants to accomplish. And then, hey, it, it doesn't get taken away from him, but he makes a lot of poor decisions. He just lives the life of that typical pro athlete that blows it all the way, meathead, sucker punches an old band in a bar, uh, all these rape allegations. It's like, Jesus, man, he's going down a really bad path. But I feel like at some point he realizes, like, man, I'm a, I'm a father. I'm now 31. I'm not 29. I'm not 30. I'm not, th- I got all the partying out. I own all these cars. I own all these houses. I own this whiskey company. I own all these things. Where's the real thrill? 
geez, remember when I was that kid grinding in that single bedroom apartment in Ireland because I wanted this dream? Like, I'm not saying he got back to that guy. He'll never be that guy again, ever be that guy again. But now he's smart enough to realize these are the spots where we're going to make money, okay? Now, what's he been talking about all the last couple of weeks? It's like, oh, you know, somebody happens to Khabib or Ferguson, I'm in. Something happens to Khabib Ferguson. The UFC would actually be smartest play here is if he beats Cowboy Cerrone, they do something to Khabib Ferguson. Hey, yo, just throw a wire there and let Khabib, or let Tony walk by, blows out his leg, because that's the money fight for them to make. But what I'm saying is, all these things he's talking about, oh, we got offered a Pacquiao boxing match. Oh, maybe I want another fight with Khabib. Oh, I want to fight Tony Ferguson. Oh, this Justin Gaethje super fight. All these different things are all made possible with a victory over Donald Cerrone. They're all taken away from you with a defeat to Donald Cerrone. So he knows exactly what he's getting himself into in taking this Donald Cerrone. It's a must one. That's exhibit A. Exhibit B. Team McGregor initially comes out and says, we want Frankie Edgar. Odd choice. A lot of people are saying, eh, Frankie Edgar can wrestle, man. Frankie Edgar got great cardio. Frankie Edgar got a great chin, man. You know what I mean? Why would he want to fight Frankie Edgar? And Dana says, no, no, no. But in hindsight, and especially when you watch Frankie versus Korean Zombie, it's like, fuck, he had this thing marked out 100%. The guy's too small, can't take the punch anymore. He's not going to be able to take me down because of the size discrepancy. They had marked out the perfect opponent and didn't end up getting it. Donald Cerrone as choice too, really? If you, if you were sitting at home, people want to see Khabib again. No. People want to see the Tony Ferguson fight. Tony Ferguson kills this man. People want to see Justin Gaethje. Are you kidding? Do you know the things that Justin Gaethje would do to him? I bet you a guy like Alex Hernandez or Francisco Trinaldo could be competitive. Oh, that's bulls. Could be competitive against Carmen Greg, you know? You don't want to see him fight the best guys. You want to see him fight a winnable fight against a big-name opponent. He doesn't want to fight an up-and-coming guy. He doesn't want to fight a guy that doesn't have quite that name cachet that's going to present a tough fight. He wants to fight Donald Cerrone. Cerrone's coming off a couple of bad knockout losses. He suffered a many of bad knockout losses in his career. And him fighting at 170, that should be his benefit. But hearing him say things like, oh, it's fat weight. And when you look at anything from his training camp, like he's training lackadaisically, like he's always done. But he's a 38-year-old man now. Yeah. He hasn't that that last little resurgence where he's Connor's killing guys. Connor's going to have a big speed advantage. Yes, yes, yes. Now, now all of that laid out. You're right. This is an awful price. It was minus 300 yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. And it's already 330. The mm-hmm. Irish that are coming have landed in their bed in Connor McGregor. You you would have to go inside the distance. I don't know first round cuz I'm thinking first two. But, uh, yeah, if you bet first-round finish and you got plus 160 on it, and you bet second-round finish and you got plus 135 on it, and one of them hits, you would still make your money. But I I would think that that, that's the move. And when you talk about the value, if you're going to play plus 300 on on Donald Cerrone, absolutely, that's a play. At the end of the show, we'll talk about DraftKings, 6,800 bucks, like... If Donald Cerrone is walking away from the victor, he's getting himself a finish. He's getting himself some takedowns. He's scoring more than 68 he's, points. He's, he's, he's going to thrash him when he gets his spot. Three rounds, four rounds, five rounds, domination. But he's got to get it there, and that's where I and find it I hard to... And I think Connor did show against Habib that the takedown defense is good enough to stop a guy like Donald Cerrone from taking him down. Nobody stops a Habib takedown. Yeah, yeah. So so that's that's the last point we'll move on to the co-main because this is realistically this is the most interesting fight on the card and then you have a fight night worthy uh, offering after that. So we'll spend a little extra time there. But you, you're right. The way he looks against Eddie Alvarez, it's like, wow, this guy's now a dual champion, a legitimate dual champion, smoked out Eddie Alvarez, made him look foolish in there. This guy's legitimate. Then he takes on Floyd Mayweather. He handicaps himself by taking a boxing match. Fights Floyd Mayweather, the greatest boxer ever, especially at the weight class, but ever, my opinion. And he gives a good account of himself. Now he fights Khabib Nurmagomedov, the greatest 
155 pound fighter, perhaps the greatest fighter any weight class, in my personal opinion, to ever do it, he gives a good account of himself. You know, he stuffs the first three Khabib takedown attempts. It's deceiving because Khabib's a chain wrestler, so realistically he stuffs the first attempt that was, you know, included two double legs and an ankle pick, but or sorry, two single legs and, a, and an outside trip. But all the same, it's like the guy actually put up a decent scramble early. He makes it out of the first round. He starts landing punches against Habib. And then Habib's game is just way too suffocating. So when people say he hasn't won in three years and he's, he's losing, oh, man, Habib made him quit. It's like he fought two generational talents mm-hmm. and, and, and gave a good account of himself. Yep. If you're big on Cerrone, it's because you hate Conor McGregor. That's, that's what I'm drawing the conclusion of. But the pricing the pricing's just way off here, mm-hmm. so... All right, let's move to the co-main event. We've got Holly Holm taking on Raquel Pennington. Holly Holm is minus 140. Raquel Pennington is plus 120. Who you got here? So similar situation. This could have been had for 120 yesterday, and now it looks like some money's moving on on Holly Holm. That makes it less appealing. She is the play. There's nothing to see here, folks. I mean, they've already fought once before. It was a low-scoring output affair. Uh, Went to decision. It was a split decision for Holly Holm. I thought she won a unanimous, but all the same, it, it was a split decision victory for Holly Holm. Both girls have gone on a strange trajectory since there. Holly Holm wins the title, ends up losing the title, you know, goes to 145, loses Jermaine Durandamy, fights Cyborg, fights Amanda Nunez again, like gets head kicked by Nunez. It's just been all over the place. Raquel Pennington also been all over the place. Former title challenger herself, lost to Amanda Nunez. It's that Holly Holm's got this ability to lose and just it doesn't, deter her like she's just she's so motivated she just always thinks she's getting back in contention she's always in phenomenal shape she always prepares at the highest level whereas Raquel Pennington suffered her losses and just does not look the same I mean when she lost to Amanda Nunez understandable makes it five rounds TK in the fifth took an absurd amount of damage absurd amount of damage tried to quit after four again understandable I mean this is a crazy fight but it's a championship fight and to hear her say that was tough and then following that they do her no favors she gets Jermaine Durandamy and she pulls all of her punches. Like, she, other than a little bit of cage control, failed to do anything and physically looked way out of shape. Mm-hmm. So, fair enough. You know, it's Jermaine Durand. I mean, she was, she's a big fighter. Uh, maybe she thought that she had to put on a, some additional mass. That's fine. The next fight against Irene Aldana, I believe she loses the first round. Close first round. Maybe that flurry at the end is what caused me to score it for Aldana. Second round, Aldana wins. I mean, she outstrikes her. She lands the better punches. The third round, almost nothing happens. But... Raquel Pennington had the takedown. Aldana fished a couple submissions. Raquel Pennington, I don't know, she sent, landed something like six significant strikes in that round. Split decision for Raquel Pennington. I scored it for Aldana. She could be on a three-fight losing streak right now, and we're not even having this conversation that she's competitive against Holly Holm, but she wins a split. That looks better than Holly Holm, who's just been absolutely decimated her last time out. You, could, you can see where the conversation of this is going to decision. Mm-hmm. We're in agreement on that, okay? It's probably going to be a low-striking output affair, with no takedowns in it. So for minus 120, Holly Holm. For minus 130, Holly Holm. But like people are getting on that. It's minus was, 140, Holly Holm now. I don't know. Take I it by decision. I saw that, that line move, and I was relieved at least to see that. Because you got on Because I early. was just like, no, no, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't played it yet. Okay. But I was just like, what am I missing here? This feels real trappy. Because it, it was basically a straight pick yeah, now, why, now, why is that? Why is it a straight pick? So to see the money roll in, it's like, So okay. to see the money roll in and the books to react to it, that makes me feel a little bit better. I still would play Holly Holm at minus 140, but you got to get on it fast. 
Um, because this is Raquel Pennington. It's not is a the lock, exact though. Type. It's a greasy fight. Oh, One forty yeah, is the def- most I want to pay for it. I, the thing is, is that Pennington's just the carbon copy type of opponent that Holly Holm can beat. Pressure fighter moves forward. I don't think her wrestling is good enough to take down no. Holly Holm, and Holly Holm is gonna stay on the outside, do what she does, which is you know. <laughs> Cu- couple <laughs> kicks, couple kicks stopping you from coming yeah, in, yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah. Uh, karate noises, and uh, moving off on angles. It strikes so, like, you by seven or eight strikes per round, which whole, is enough to win the round, which is enough to win the Home by decision, probably only throws like somewhere around 50 significant strikes the entire time. <laughs> this is, As we say, we, the, the, <laughs> in the description, there's always the draft, uh, the DraftKings breakdown is always going to be listed. But this will be a pretty low-volume fight, in my opinion. But I think Holly Holm, by decision, is probably the most likely outcome. It's the, US, it's the co-main event for this grand big pay-per-view. Holly Holm's on a two-fight losing streak. Raquel Pennington is, in my eyes, on a three-fight losing streak. Mm-hmm. They didn't even bother to touch on it on the countdown special. No. <laughs> like, what are you doing, folks? Anyways, we got McGregor on it, so that's what sells. But, yeah, yeah, it's a middling, middling. Of, Holly Holm's 38, by the way. I mean, like. At some point, she's going to put the brakes on. Raquel could take advantage, but minus 140, okay, jump on it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a lock, and don't, don't play for anything worse than that. We've got Maurice Green taking on my boy. Uh-oh. We got a new t-shirt. Nice shirt, by the way. Alexi Olenek. Uh, Maurice Green, minus 135. Alexi Olenek, plus 115. Does the 40-year-old, 42. 42-year-old dog have another one left in the tank here? If he's 40-year-old, Alexei Olenek, all day easy money. If he's 41-year-old, Alexei Olenek, all day, perhaps not totally easy money, but still all day. If he's any other version of himself, this is such the perfect fight for him. It's ridiculous. But at 42, one has to wonder, man, like, what can he muster up? One year? If he was 41, you'd be all in? The if difference. He was 40, the di- no, 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 no. What, what's going on here? Okay, okay, okay. You, you just nah. You look at his style. You look at his style. He's the he's the most prolific submission machine in heavyweight history. Mm-hmm. But he's not Frank Mir. He's not Antonio Noguera. Uh, Noguera, sorry. He's not those guys. He's motherfucking the boa constrictor Alexei Olenek. If he he Ezekiel choke, his head and arm choke, his neck cranks. It's like it's old school submissions that just prove how strong he is. Also, he's a former middleweight. Has the frame of a middleweight, oh, yeah. and yet now clocks in at 260 and still beats guys. You look at his sure dog record, it's got him at, like, he's got four wins by knockout. Dude, so deceiving. He's got a massive amount of power. He hits guys, they just topple over. And when they topple over, he, grabs the he submits them, yeah. which is why you don't realize that he, the fight with Travis Brown, it's like he dropped Travis Brown. The fight with, I know it's Anthony Hamilton, but all the same. And so it's like he, he drops these guys. And then is able to follow up and submit him. The Mark Hunt fight. How did he get Mark Hunt down? He wobbles him with that left hook. You know, he hurts Mark Hunt. And then he t- physically gets a takedown. But, uh, but all the same, it's just like he's got enough power. Maurice Green, six foot seven, doesn't defend himself particularly well, doesn't have a great chin. A, a, a younger version of Olenek is made to just, he always moves forward and he can take a fucking shitload of damage, right? Where that's not been helping him recently is he can't take a shitload of damage against Alistair Overy. He can't take a shitload of damage versus Walt Harris. A couple fights prior to that, he can't take a shitload of damage against Curtis Blades. Maurice Green can't take a shitload of damage against Sergey Pavlovich. Yeah, well, Maurice Green, what, even though he's six foot seven, a big heavyweight, former kickboxer, fought for Glory, the most prestigious kickboxing organization currently, is that he's a jabber, right? He's mm-hmm. an outside stick fighter, jab, jab, uses the right hand. Yeah, he knocked out Junior Albini two fights ago. 
But for the most part, he's just looking to jab from the outside. You've got to land crushing power to put Olenek away, because otherwise, this guy's a former Spetsna. He's just going to walk forward and take the damage. He take walks forward, takes the damage, all this. Why I say 42 is now getting hurt in some is that two fights ago, Overeem knocks him out. Pretty good. He, he turtled up. You could tell he was in a lot of pain, mm -hmm. right? The last fight against Walt Harris, he lasted, what, 12 seconds? You know, flying knee. And he's a shot. It's like the top of his head after the flying knee. He's already dazed. And uh, again, he's like, he's out, out. He's 42 years old. He never had great wrestling to begin with. He's got. He's gonna have trouble here. Maurice Green is fast for his size, and he stays to the outside, and he's got a good kicking game. Alexei Olenek is very, very, very flat-footed. Everybody that he's fought that's taller than him has used the kicking game extremely effectively. And because he's so short, body of a middleweight, he, he has trouble closing that distance. He's just moving forward the whole time. So Green's got bad cardio. When he was on the Ultimate Fighter, he was smoking, and he's he's like 32, 33. I think he's 33 years old himself. He's not a prospect. He's not someone that's going to go far in this division. And he's, but he's got some tools to be Olenek. For, for sure. Th this is, the smart play would be fucking pass. Because no, Olenek's yeah. got all the tools in the world, and for dog money, he's the money play. I mean, Maurice Green at 35, I'm not looking to touch that, but, but he is actually my pick. I do see him just staying to the outside, jab, jab, kick, kick, where his cardio has been failing him. The Pavlich fight wasn't a cardio issue. It was that he did get caught, is what it is. But being at Factory X Muay Thai... You, you can see, look at his last three weigh-ins. He he's physically in a sure. lot better shape, and he's known to be a quick heavyweight. That's all you need. Kick game, speed, outside presence, don't get tired. And, but the second it hits the ground, if it hits the ground, it's over. So he has to fight a very I mean, smart game plan. Maurice Green was subbed by like Juan fucking Espino on the, the Ultimate Fighter, wasn't he? Yeah, rear naked choke. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Espino's got decent wrestling, decent sure. grappling. Um but yeah, yeah, if he, the fight physically hits the ground, he's going to be in the world of shit. And, and the last point we'll move on here is that when you're a power puncher against Olenek, he's going to allow you to tee off on him and, and hurt him. So you put him away. If you don't put him away, that's when you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Hunt didn't put him away. He got tired. He fucked him up. Travis Brown, Travis Brown dropped him. He got back up, dropped Travis Brown, and then in the second round took him down and submitted him. Like, you got to put him away. And because Green isn't a power puncher, he's going to give Olenek... 15 minutes to score a single takedown, and then it could be lights out, game over. That's a pass. That's a hard pass. But you know what? Plus On 115 and your boy. You're probably going to have to play that one because the under is steamed to minus 165. Under one and a half rounds steamed to minus 165 at this point. That's so books are, that's tell, so, books are telling you that somebody's so getting much dusted. That? Yeah, so much recency bias. That's you look at Olenek and you think he got finished in the first round in his last two fights, and his last four fights have been I mean, finished all in the his first round. Get finished pretty early, right? Right. But he's been knocked out in his last two, and Maureen Green got submitted in the first or got knocked out in the first in his last fight, mm -hmm. and prior to that, knocked out Albini in the first. So both guys have finished in the first and the last two. But the way this fight is a style clash. I'm taking the over one and a half rounds on that. Okay. And if I was to play anybody on DraftKings, it's Olenek. Maureen's Green, 8,400. Yeah. I agree. I agree completely. But yeah, we'll get to the DraftKings breakdown at the end of the show. And uh, now we got Claudio Gedelia taking on Alexa Grasso. Gedelia is minus 105. She's actually, it's basically a pick -em. She became the slight underdog. Alexa Grasso, minus 115. What's your take here? Yeah, so like I said, it's UFC where you head at. Mm -hmm. And Claudia Gadelli is a, is a nether fighter that we just don't know where she's at. You know, she's looked awful her last four fights, despite the fact that she's posted up a 2-2 two and two record over that span. If you look back, <laughs> let's say, you know, after she beats Carolina, the Jessica Andrade fight. She has a good first round and then just completely falls off the rails. Cardio gives out. Striking gives out. 
bad performance, but it's Jessica Andrade. So that's a total free pass. No big deal, girlfriend. All good. Carla Sparza. Okay, she won that fight. Although, did she? I'm glad she did because I totally faded the absolute shit out of Carla Sparza. I was like, damn, Carla won that fight. Carla out-hustled her. Mm -hmm. Carla, outside of the first round, Carla made her work. Now Claudio, she potentially has a cardio issue. But now, mind you, this is a girl that starts at Nova Union when the team's rolling and is super hot. When they fall off the rails, and they're known for hot starts, once they fall off the rails, she's been lost ever since then. She ended up in Pennsylvania. Then she ended up at Greg Jackson's camp. Then she ended up out in now Las she's Vegas. she's doing like her own gym situation. Very, very strange. Just like the dynamic of her jumping around here, jumping around there. It's like... Doesn't seem to fit in at any gym. Yeah, and a lot of fighters do that once they become like a lost fighter. It's like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not finding that... I'm not regaining that success that I once had. So like, what's missing? So you go to a different fight. Melvin Glar. Melvin Glar was ultra talented. And then he moved to like six different gyms in the last seven fights. Not the last seven fights. At that time. And he posted up like a one his, in five record. I imagine his issues were a little different. <laughs> no, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt, dude. No doubt. I I mean, Clay Guida did it too for a little bit. It's just like you, you, you try to go to different places and it doesn't work. Remember, remember Jake Ellenberger? He went and trained with Edmund and them, yeah. lost two fights, and was just like, "What am I doing? Like, I need to get back with Rain and those guys." That's, I think, what kind of sort of happens over time. And with Claudia, maybe that's a reflection of those last four fights. So again, that's Jessica Andrade and Carlos Barza. Then the Nina Ansaroff fight, she starts off good, and then volume, cardio, she gives out. Nina takes control. Nina wins that fight in her last fight with Ronda Marcos. It's another close fight where she doesn't look exceptionally good. This has got all the writing on the wall, all the makings for a Claudia Gidelia, um fade. You should take Alexa Grasso. Grasso probably drops the first round, outboxes her two and three, wins the fight. But you know me. I'm the biggest advocate of, like, styles make fights. And, like, Claudia has the style. She has the style, but, but she, she doesn't have the commitment to – She my, can't keep it up. That's, that's the my, issue. My, 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 what I wrote Man. about her is that she's flaky. Totally, and, totally. And it's just that, Good way of putting like, it. for instance, in the Ronda Marcos fight last week, she didn't even attempt to go for a takedown because I think she knows I can't wrestle for three rounds. Yeah. And that's a big problem here. Because, like, Grasso, you know, she looked, especially in the Carolina fight, best she had ever looked. And she goes into the Esparza fight. Everyone's kind of piling onto Grasso in that spot. And Esparza, as Esparza does, lands four of 11 takedowns, ends up winning that fight pretty cleanly. Uh, got hurt quite a bit in round three, but uh, was able to maintain, hold position, win the fight. I mean, the template for how to beat Grasso is still there, and like, Gadelia, in theory, had a good, like, in, in the past, had a good double. Good double leg takedown. For sure. Can take her down, control her for two rounds, and then just hold on for dear life in round three. Don't get finished, and you probably win this fight. I just don't trust... My problem is I just don't trust her to actually go to the takedowns because I know that she's scared that she doesn't have the gas tank to wrestle for three rounds. And, I mean, it's a straight pick em for a reason, but when we talked about DraftKings at the end, I mean, it's hard to trust Claudia Gadelia at this stage in her career. This, this one is of my first loves. One of my first loves. One of my first babies. In MMA, and I like I just I just don't trust the girl anymore. Remember, remember, it was your baby, my baby, Claudia versus Joanna too? Because yeah. you thought your baby got robbed the first time. Oh, Paul! I mean, maybe she did. Paul screams robbery. Uh, yeah, remember Claudia thrashed her first two rounds, but then the cardio let out, yeah. and it's just like that's always been an issue. But she scored four takedowns against uh, Carlos Sparza, who's the second best wrestler in the division, probably behind Tatiana Suarez, right? Four takedowns. When the fight does hit the ground, she's a former world, world champion. 
She's a black belt. Grosso couldn't get up against Esparza. Grosso gave up takedowns against Esparza. But it's like Carlos Esparza can shoot 11 takedowns in a fight. Claudia Gadelia can't shoot 11 takedowns in a fight. But the reason why my final pick here is I am going to go Claudia Gadelia is like you said, she can't do it for 15 minutes. I agree with you. Maybe she can do it she for can 10. do it for 10 minutes. That's that's all I need here is that she will falter and lose that third round. But she's not likely to get finished. She got a cast iron chin on her. Let's be real. She can take a punch. And she's not getting submitted by Alexa Grosso. Mm-hmm. So she's literally just gonna bank the first two rounds and then coast down. DraftKings want no part. Probably but that's that's what you'd have to do. Probably a better fight just to if you have access to live betting windows and stuff. This is like a it's going three rounds, very, very likely. You get a better read as the fight goes on. Is Claudia willing to take the fight to yeah, the ground, yeah, go for yeah, takedowns, yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah. is she standing? Because if she just stands she standing? at range, I think she's going to get boxed up here. You're right. And I, if she, if she fights like she did against Ronda Marcos, and it's a totally different matchup. So I don't, I wouldn't, a, a, a rational game plan would say don't do that. She didn't want to r- wrestle with Marcos because she was confident she could outpoint her on the feet. So that all makes sense. But she can't do that in this fight. She will get boxed up against Grasso, who is the better, more technical, crisp striker at this stage in her career. We got Carlos, uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira taking on Anthony Showtime Pettis. Ferreira, minus 230. Pettis, plus 190. How times have changed. <laughs> we always say that with Pettis because he's just... Nobody, I mean, like, what nobody really likes betting on Anthony Pettis. The guy That's has hard fights every single time. This is out. true. What advantages does Carlos Diego Ferreira really hold over Anthony Pettis? The Let's... ground game, 100%. Against Pettis, 100%. who doesn't get submitted? Oh, still, he's a third-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that when his fights hit the ground, he just thoroughly dominates guys. Anthony Pettis is a fine striker, no doubt about it. He can still win striking exchanges and spots. The mm-hmm. The Thompson fight is a good example of, like, he's not a better striker than Stephen Thompson, no. and he shouldn't be fighting at 170 pounds. But it's like, again, if you elect not to take him down, you are playing into his hand, and maybe he's got a Showtime trick or two, sill up his sleeve. But the Nate Diaz fight, it's like he definitely wins all of those strikings. Not all of them. Early portion of striking exchanges, he's faster than Diaz. He's cleaner than Diaz. Punches right down the middle, and he hurts Diaz. So that doesn't hurt him, but he's hitting Diaz. But as Diaz just his ability to decide, I want to now take you down and take you down and then dominate you, that's the real key issue. And whereas Nate Diaz is not a good wrestler, once he breaks Anthony Pettis, the takedowns come at will, right? There's the problem with Anthony Pettis. And why? I will never bet on Anthony Pettis ever again. I don't care how good the line is, and this is a good line. To be honest, this is a trap line. Diego Ferreira is very appealing, eh? but 230 is a very bad price. And if the fight stays standing, which it could, he's, he's loopy, man. He's open. And if you, talk, if you look at any of the interviews, he they, gets hit. They keep talking about his striking improving. Fuck that, man. Don't try to strike with Anthony Pettis. Take no. him down. But he himself doesn't have a great gas tank. And he's worked a lot on his striking, but he's extremely hittable. Pettis is a guy that has power, is very clean, he's very precise, he's very technical, and if, if Carlos Diego Ferrer, who's had a, a wonky chin at moments in his career... Most at 145. Have, at 155, yeah. that durability has seemed to fix itself. Like, you go back to, like, Dustin Poirier when that, when that was, like, when his... Sorry, when his durability was, like, most in question. Yeah. I mean, moving up those 10 pounds seemed to really revive his career. And shit, like... He took some heaters from Merbek Tysimov in the last time out, and he 100%. lived to tell the tale about it, was right up in his face, and started outstriking Tysimov. Like, that was a 
career-defining performance for him. That's a big spot for him, and he, he came out ahead. Totally agree. Totally agree. And for a better price tag, I'm buying in big time yeah, to that. This but, was but, a but, but, but for 230, do you know what yeah. I'm thinking for 230? He's 34 years old, okay? We can't overlook that. And remember the Kyle Nelson fight? Like Kyle yeah. Nelson's nowhere near this guy's level. Kyle Nelson hurts him in the first round. round. Yeah, yeah, so early. what is going on here? I'm, I mean, I had CDF on every part <laughs> of <laughs> It was just like... I talked a lot of shit about We were in the arena for that one. That was the Ortega Holloway card, wasn't it? 100%. And, and man, <laughs> I was puckered up, let me tell you that much. I was, because I like, we had told the whole world CDF. And it, was, it was Holloway like Aldo. Free mo- uh, was it? Okay, either way. It was a Toronto card. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was stressful. Dude, big time. It was like, oh my God, what is going on? Now, Kyle Nelson took the fight in like four days' notice, got tired after the first round. And that was yeah. a big reason why Carlos Diego Ferreira has his way beyond that first little, you know, greasy part of the first round. The Taysumon fight really shows you, hey, you know what? Maybe he's revamped a lot of those holes. But 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 for 230, it's just not the most appealing price tag no, out agree. there. Uh, you got to be smart. You got to get these takedowns against Anthony Pettis and you got to exploit Pettis. But again, with Anthony Pettis, the Diaz fight. After the first round, you know, he, he gives into it. The Steven Thompson fight, he's getting smack pillar to post before he lands that Superman punch. The Tony Ferguson fight, crazy fight, eh? And then on his stool, him and Duke are like, let's quit, man. You got a broken hand. I get it. I don't get it. I'm not a fighter. He I don't have a broken back hand. in that fight against Tony. Right. But it was the mentality of you're not coming back. Whereas a lot yeah. of these fighters, it's you got five more minutes to shake it up. I mean, Guys love or hate- broken hands. All Love or hate Colby. Time. I don't know if his jaw was actually broken. I don't know if they've uh, posted any sort of pictures of that. Somebody fought I, through. I haven't heard him talk since that happened, so maybe that tells you uh, the answer. He fought through it. He fought all the way through that fight with a broken jaw. Yeah, but... but and, like, but severely damaged and then got the finished time, at the end, but... All of the time, you'll hear Duho Choi the other day. It's like, he like broke his arm in the first round. It's like, when? When did he break his arm? Because it seemed like he was fighting quite well afterwards. Like, oh, this guy broke his foot and he was compromised. Oh, this guy had an injured hand. So, so to see you quit in a very exciting fight that you had spots in, you hurt Tony. Mm-hmm. To see you quit, it's, it's Tony. I, I get that, but... The, the Diaz fight, there were signs of it. The Dustin Poirier fight, it's a rib injury due to body triangle. He's in there. It's, oh, my rib hurts. It's a history of that. It's a history of maybe perhaps wanting a way out. Now, a weird story is he's suing Lusada, right? And, hey, man, the, my, my finger got, got cut, cut on, finger. Yeah, yeah. on this. And you, re- you read the story. And, like, do you know that <laughs> it's crazy? This is how my mind works. I'm not even factoring in the piss, the Usada, the cut. The pre-fight. I'm not the only thing I took from that was Duke was telling him, Don't don't fight, man. Don't fight. Don't fight. Collect your show money. It's not your fault you got cut. It's Usada's fault. Don't fight. Take your money. Let's go home. I don't know, man. That's not the mentality. Like you're gonna fight Nate Diaz here who who could have lost his motherfucking finger before and would have just taped it up and not said anything. Mm-hmm. Like there's it, it's a different level, right? And because Pettis at any time, you know you said flaky? That's what he is to me. I can't he's a very talented fighter, but you're never gonna have an accurate read on what he's gonna give you that night because you just don't know if he's gonna bring the, the goods or not. And against Carlos Diego Ferrer, who I believe has a significant grappling advantage, the wrestling advantage is gonna be good enough for him to get the fight to the ground. And his striking's not terrible, yeah. He stood toe-to-toe with good guys. He can pressure forward. You know who doesn't deal good moving backwards? Pettis. No. Barbosa did it to him. Because he can't uh, deliver his kicks when he's moving off of his back foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, and his kicks are the solution. Or the, yeah. the I know he Thompson this, fight, he's I moving mean, backwards. Yeah. Like, well, but what? Fuck it. Ever, dude. Yeah, it's a one-shot miracle. Exactly. Like that's that's the definition of a yeah. hail mary. I can't I can't play too much into that. Mm-hmm. So 
either pass because the value's not good or, yeah, yeah, Carlos Jagerfer is the play. And we got Macy Barber taking on Roxanne Modafferi, minus 900 Barber, plus 600 Modafferi. Can you poke any holes? This is the biggest surprise. I mean, surprise. The, the line is massive. Yeah, yeah, the biggest surprise this morning. Yeah, the money is moving in the right direction. Like, like, wow, I mean, McGregor's just getting steamed, but like, oh, he got that extra 30 points overnight. Holly Holm, you know, hey, that's the play. What's going on here? Extra 20 points overnight. Uh, Macy Barber went down to 900. Like, she, she's, she's at 1,000 on most books, and that's what she is. Like, I don't see a world in where... No, 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 the world is Roxanne Montefiore snatches up a triangle off her back, but... I mean, the but, like, world, you gonna bet on that? Like, I mean, no people chance. are just... People are just betting a plus 700 women's flyweight underdog because they historically will come through. Who doesn't like Roxanne Montefiore? Oh, by the way, such a savvy veteran trying to become friends with Macy Barber before the fight. <laughs> Dude, so, that's so, it's such a good play. I mean, that's just her, that's just such her gimmick in general. Though. Yes, but that's a good gimmick. Not I like this. Gimmick. She's just a nice person. I, I like this person so much that when I'm on top of him, I might think for a split second, should I throw that extra elbow? That cut on her eye. Should I rake it? You ever seen the Smashing Machine with Mark Kerr? He's like, do you rake the cut? Yeah, you raked the guy. <laughs> you know, like, because it's like, dude, it's it's combat. Like, it's to the death. Macy Barber's got a mean streak. That's what mm-hmm. I like about her. She's 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 young. She's still green in spots, but she's developing very quickly. And she's got the good. She's she's aggressive. She's got good cardio. She's got good power standing. Again, that's probably where she's the greenest. The standing, she's still very hittable. But she's making improvements. The ground game, it checks out. Wrestling seems to be good. Yep. Her physical jiu-jitsu is pretty good. She's moving in the right direction, but again, she's mean and she's aggressive. And Roxanne Montefiore is not on the level of athlete of her. She doesn't Roxanne have the aggression. Montefiore she doesn't have the strength. She doesn't have. It's probably the least athletic person to like have this much success in MMA history. She's pro- she's she's, had- she's the least athletic person in in UFC history. I wouldn't say MMA history because like soccer or mom fought UFC, Ileana UFC. McFarlane, but in UFC history like you can think back to like Sherman Pentagon. Okay, uh, Tank Abbott, right? He's he's a fat drunk biker who literally just got off the bar stool at the Mandalay, right? And and, and walked over and fought this guy. Mm-hmm. Guy was a D1 athlete, you know what I mean? He played high-end football in high school. Like he was actually a very good athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. She just moves so so stiff, so robotic, but she has so many fights. She's got a legitimate jiu-jitsu black belt. Yeah. And she's actually got a legitimate judo black belt. The problem with the judo black belt is you've got to have some strength to use yeah. judo. She works, judo she is works. a martial art based on strength. you got credit where credit's due. And we've, she, we've shit on Roxanne so many times over the course of the history of this won, show. And she's won fights. The girl, the girl puts forth an honest effort. Every single camp. You know that she's probably the type of person who's at the gym. She clocks in first and leaves last type of Role thing. model That's for the all only the reason, Vegas fighters. The yeah. only reason why she's gotten to this level is seemingly a great work ethic. But, yeah, athleticism is going to kill her in this, and I think it's going to be a one-sided beatdown. Yeah, now. Now, now am now. I loving minus 900? Of course not. No, here's, here's, here's the real question. The only question to discuss here is that as much as Macy Barber runs rickshaw across this girl, she... If the fight stays standing, oh, man, what a beatdown that's going to be. If the fight goes to the ground, it's not going to be Barbara on her back. It's going to be Barbara on top. And, like, oof, what a beatdown that's going to be. Question is, does Macy Barber put her away? Does she win a decision? And that's where I'm having trouble gauging it. I mean, Barbara's, a, Barbara's very aggressive. Takes out Jillian Robertson first round. Jillian Robertson's durable. J.J. Aldridge is durable. She took her out in the second round. Hannah Seifert, 
if Hannah Cyphers has literally anything going for her, exactly. is that she's durable. That's literally the only thing she's got going for her. She takes her out in two. But, like, Roxanne, again, she's got that same durability. Like, she doesn't take a ton of damage. Even, ah, she takes enough damage. You know what? This is a stoppage. This is a stoppage win for Macy yep. Barber with under one and a half. No, it could go two rounds. Main event of the prelims. It's, it's not scene Rolling three, into though. a McGregor card. Late in the second, finish Barber. Worst yeah. case, yeah. that's the move. I think so. Okay, moving right. on. We got uh, Sadiq Yosef taking on Andre Touchy Feely. Yosef, minus 130. Feely, plus 110. Originally, when I saw this one, I was like, you know what? Really like Sadiq Yosef. The more I think about this one, who's tried to take Sadiq Yosef down? <laughs> yeah. Nobody. Nobody that I can really see. Nobody of any credibility has. No, All of his US, any wrestling I mean, shops. he took on a Mukhtarian in his first time. Oh, out. yeah, yeah. He did grindy takedowns, believe that me. That doesn't count. <laughs> um, I mean, the other, the win against Gabriel Benitez last time out, that's a great win. We've won lots of money on Benitez here. He's a very good guy, kicks like a mule. Nobody's going for takedowns on this guy. Feely, he's got the, whatever, the piano key whatever the hell type of belt, belt. Yeah. from uh, yeah. from Joby. Um, Joby Juan Kenobi. Who obviously doesn't train there anymore. No, he's in Vegas now. But I don't know. I think this is, uh, originally I saw it, and this is like, you know, before the holidays, been so much time in between. I have a lot more questions about it now, and I'm starting to think, you know, three-inch reach advantage for uh, Andre Feely here, wrestling advantage. I like the Fortis MMA um, where Yusuf and I like the guys that are coming out of that gym and everything like that, but uh, Feely has kind of paid his dues. He's fought some really top end guys, and he seems to be rounding into form. We saw him take down Dennis Bermudez way back when. I think his wrestling game is considerably better, and I have questions about what happens if Yusuf ends up on his back because he's just been blowing through everybody so far. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say before I make kind of my final selection here. Yeah, so this is a new segment I want to start doing this new year. It's going to be Cody's Too Good to Be True Price, and so did Yusuf for me is that. I mean, I love him. I'm sold on him just like everybody else. I mean, his his striking seems to be on another level. It's not only did he beat Gabriel Benitez, and again, we favored him in that matchup against Benitez. It's like, he knocked the shit out of Benitez in mm-hmm. the first round. This guy's got some sweet power, you know? He, he's very well-rounded. Trains at a great camp in Forest MMA that's just churning out prospects late for left right and center he's a lloyd irvin guy so whereas we haven't seen him someone try to submit him he's a lloyd irvin guy man like you know he's well established you know he knows what he's doing it's just maybe we haven't had that right chance to see that but feely has cost me a lot of money because man this guy's like perennially i i i never give him his full credit and like very talented guy man he knows how to win he's got good ring iq he can strike he can grapple. It's just he knows when to go in between which. You know what his best thing about him? And he's cost me a lot of money, so this fucking kills me, is that he'd probably lose the first three minutes of the fight, but man, he always does enough the latter, latter half of the round to win these decisions, right? The Lobov fight. Lobov fight, he's desperate. He can't strike with Lobov. Very surprising. Mm-hmm. But Lobov's got him reeling, so he just takes him down at will. It was, it was, it was a good game plan, right? The Dennis Bermudez fight, it's like, okay, buddy, you can't take down Dennis Bermudez, and Ber- Bermuda's is faster, better athlete. He wins a split, and it's just like, dude, he he was taking Dennis Bermuda's down. The Michael Johnson fight, he loses a split. I thought he won. So glad he lost, because again, I faded him in that fight. But it's like he's taking down Michael Johnson, who was known as a decent collegiate wrestler at a junior college level, anyways. The Miles Drew fight, I faded him. He kicked the shit out of Miles Drew. Bad, 
right? Mm-hmm. UFC cuts Miles Drury. And then the fight with Shane Ramirez, he knocks him out in the first round. Like, he's 29. He's getting better. He trains at a gym that's just res- wrestling, striking, wrestling, striking, wrestling, striking. He's put together an excellent game plan. And so I'm all over Sodeek. And that's why it's too good to be true. This is the apple pie shitter. Mm-hmm. Smart play is passed. This is, could be fight of the night. It's going to be extremely fun, and you're going to have a great time, and you're going to stress out when you put money either side. Feely, dog money. You need a dog. Hey, man, I've been picking a lot of favorites. Plus 110. Maybe that's your first dog spot, but I just love Sodiq Yusef so much. I can't convince myself to just fade him on the basis of good value. So I'm going to go Sodiq, and I fully understand that if this was a parlay piece, it's risky. And you know what? This is probably this is probably priced pretty accordingly. It seems too good to be true to me, but that's probably a fair price, and that's why I'm overthinking this one. Who are you? Taking and hey, this and hey, is, like, are you going feeling? I'm gonna stick. No, I'm gonna stick with Sadiq. When we talk about DraftKings, I think 7,700 Feely. If if I think that he's gonna be able to get takedowns, the problem is is that I j- I'm not saying that he has terrible takedown defense. It's just that nobody's tried. So I just don't have an answer. And I need an answer. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But I guess, like, DraftKings is kind of where you're able to, like, you know, you're able to play a little bit more questionable t- kind of situations like that. A uh, full straight-up bet. It's going to be hard for me to, to bet Feely in this spot. Maybe I'll learn to re- – uh, maybe I'll regret that. But I'll stick with Super Sadiq. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's a, it's a questionable kind of spot here. I uh, definitely have questions about Yusuf, especially if he's getting off of his back. Well, with Fortis MMA in general, right? It's like, man, this this gym is popping right now. It's just like, well, who's who's popping? It's like, oh, dude, Ryan Spann, right? Ryan Spann's kicking some ass. It's like, he's a kickboxer. Can he wrestle? I, I don't really know. Uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira, man, he's got jiu-jitsu and he's learning to bang. But, like, can he wrestle? I don't really know. Neil. Oh, Neil just knocked out Perry. Oh, this guy's got hands of steel. Neil, baby. It's like, can he wrestle? It's like. I don't really know. They've been really good at <laughs> right? getting opponents that don't have so, wrestling. So straight up, it's like, yeah, yeah, like this guy, can he wrestle? I'm just going to have to assume so until I see somebody prove it otherwise. That's having that's having faith in a process. Yeah, so it's my Kennedy guy. and Juku? Oh, yeah, he can't wrestle for shit. He can't shit. wrestle for shit. Yeah, but he's got size. Size just does not play in his favor. He's so unproportionate. Anyways, man, now I'm overthinking it again. Get out of my head, Paul Shaughnessy. You are going so deep, though, ever so slightly. Sounds like passes the, the purposes of the show, yes, yeah. but we move on. Okay. We got Nazrat Hakbras <laughs> taking on Drew Dober. Nazrat is minus 325, Dober plus 265. Who you got here? Remember when you were saying earlier you were a little bit worried that the Holly Holm line wasn't moving? I'm a little bit worried about the Nazrat Hakbras line not moving. 325 is, obviously, it's a deep price for anything. You never want to be paying much more than that. Regardless, and Drew Dober is definitely no walkthrough opponent. I mean, he's got skills. He's got training partners on the card. He should be well-prepared. But it's like, man, when I talk about guys I'm sold on, like, yeah, Sodi Yusef, we still have to see some some tests from him. We still got to see some things from him. With Nazareth, it's like, man, I, no, I am sold. I think this guy can strike. I think he can wrestle. I think he's one of the guys with TriStar that they're helping him with that fight IQ side of the, the planning. And I, I, I'm sold on him. I think he beats Drew Dober anywhere he wants to. And 325 is a reflection of that. Yeah. But the fact that it has not moved at all is like nobody's even playing it. Like nobody's, saying, think, yeah, nobody's saying a floater on Dover and nobody's saying, yeah, I like Nazareth too. Like 325 is built in, but there's been no, there's been no movement on it. I'm, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. Do you think Dover can pull off an upset? 
how does he pull off the upset? Is he does he catch him with a lucky punch? Like Nazareth's got a hell of a chin up. No, Nazareth's got a hell of a chin. And that his striking is just there's way too much volume. Like Do- Dober can have a good first round. It's just like ultimately he's gonna succumb to it in the second and third. And like he's got I a history Nazareth's of pressure beast, getting man. to him. I, I, I agree, Nazareth's dude. A beast. I think he fucks him up. You know what? We're on the same page then. Like, that's why I like that Yo- don't Yo- know Yo- why the- Silva fight. I rewatched that just before he came in, and I was I was trying, especially with this price. I was like, I'm trying to poke holes yeah. at him, and I was just no. I I feel like I know Drew Dober, American kickboxing background. Like he's he's legit on the feet. Um, I just think Nazareth's just gonna walk him down. You, you don't know the thing with Nazareth. Now, do I, I'm not sure that he like that. Drew Dober's got. And when I say a chin, I mean his chin. Like he's got like such a, it's a mass. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to knock that thing out. But uh, yeah, yeah, Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum would take a punch too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like the head's built this certain shape. John I'm, Lineker has a excellent head. No, no, I'm talking well. about I'm talking about uh, Dober's. Oh, Dober's chin. Dober's oh, chin is the shit. biggest chin. It's a hell of a target. Yeah, it's a hell yeah, of a target. Yeah. But he does. Yeah, it's a, not compact. He got a big old chin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he's an extremely talented guy. With with Nazareth. Especially at this time. This I is mean, 2000... Yeah. Sorry, continue. No, go ahead. Just I do... mean, I don't see how the fight against Joaquin Silva is all that much different than this one. Yeah, fair. For Nazareth. And he passed that with flying colors. And Joaquin Silva's power carries longer than Dober's. Like, yeah. Dober tends to get... Even though he's a Denver guy, trains at altitude, all the works. Uh, it doesn't have cardio issues. The power doesn't translate longer in. Anyways... With, with Nazareth, when he debuts against Marcin Held, right, 2017, he's a 3-1 underdog. I never heard of the guy. I didn't know mm-hmm. how the fuck he was, right? I went big on Marcin Held. Didn't really give Nazareth any credit. Nazareth loses that fight, only fight he's lost in UFC in, in his career, I believe. Yeah, he's no, yeah, sorry, he's lost two, but the Marcin Held fight, whatever. It's 2017, he loses that fight, sure. You know, it was one month after his 21st birthday. Yeah. Right, you after, forget how young this guy is. Yeah, man. So he comes back like a little less than a year later. So he took like a good year off, came back against Dia Casey, who's a hot prospect, smokes him. T-Bow Gowdy is not on his level, but he smokes him. Joaquin Silva, now it's just like, oh shit, this guy's a banger. And like Nazareth is really, he's 24 now. And you, you see the improvements. The arc's high for this he was, kid. He was at TriStar. I don't know if he is at this for this camp. He was at I TriStar before, and I, I forget where I saw the interview, but it, GS, GSP was talking about him. Yes, like, yes, this guy, yes. This guy, this guy. recruited him. To this go guy to the, shows up at the gym, and he's just like, this kid is like the future. He's super talented. GS, GSP? GSP doesn't just bring up guys' names like that. No, it's very no, rare no. when he does. And, and, and GSP's such a big star, too, is that like if he still was going to TriStar, do you know how many people would be going by TriStar? Maybe we'll see George, people signing up. Oh, there's George. I'll go see if I can get an autograph. Maybe I can get a picture. It's like... He, he doesn't want that. So George doesn't really train at TriStar. George has his own, like, elite facility that he's paid for. We're kind of like Donald Cerrone. It's just, like, an offshore camp. And he brings guys from the Montreal Wrestling Club and, like, all these different guys, like, high-end level athletes. He works with them privately. Yeah, they said Nazareth was there for, like, a week or two. And he was just like, you, like, you're, you're coming for all my workouts. Like, you're going to be in my corner. Like, not in my corner. You're going to be, like, one of my main guys. Everybody's sold on this kid. 24 years old. Getting better, getting better, getting better. Drew Dober's had his chance. You know, he was a prospect when he came to the UFC. He's won some fights. He's lost some fights. He's had some good moments. He's had some bad moments. He's a run-of-the-mill guy. He's not a top 15 contender. He's never going to be a top 15 contender. But he's a good little gatekeeper journeyman that's going to keep interesting fights and be a good litmus test for guys to see where they're at in their careers. But, uh, but, uh, but I'm on the team. Nazareth's the man. I'm sold on him. This is 
give him two or three more years he's challenging for a title, it's like I, I, I'm in on him. So this is just another this is just another step in the road, right? Um, does he knock out Drew Dober? I, that that's a good question. Joachim Silva had a hell of a chin on him, and you know he he knocks out him in the second round. With Dober, meanwhile, it's like the fight with Darius. She was looking awesome. The fight with Polo Reyes, it was really early. The fight with Tuck, the fight with Camacho, the fight with Berkman. What all those guys have in common other than Benil Darius is like they've really fed him the bottom level. Mm-hmm. Josh Berkman. Well, this, these are his wins. I mean, Berkman was just a layup fight for pretty much everybody, especially at the end of Berkman's career. Yeah, well, okay, so, so Jason Gonzalez, who's long since been cut, he wins against that guy, right? Olivier Obey-Mercier, fringe top 15 contender, but legit. Well, he loses that one. Berkman, old man, should have been in the UFC at this point, long cut, right? Frank Camacho, fun fights, he's still hanging around, but he's not a top guy. John Tuck, again, long been cut, fights Verizon now. Benil Darius, fringe top 15 guy, who, who's legit, loses, and then he rebounds beating Polo Reyes. So if so you like, believe that fr- Nazarat is just a fringe top 15 guy, which I do believe. Which I think he is all day. Yeah. I think Nazarat goes in. Guy, I, think, I think Nazarat blows the brakes off Olibe O'Mercier, and honestly, and I'm a huge Darius guy, I think Darius would be in a lot of trouble against Nazarat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I believe he, he walks all over him, 325. That's your, you know, I got your too good to be true. This is, that's your play of the week. Nazarat, 325. It's not anything magical. He's 325. It's a big price tag. But, like, on a card piece. of locks, yeah, the, the biggest lock on the whole card is Macy Barber. I can't do that to you. But, but yeah. this is, like, the one that makes sense. Like, you could theoretically bet that and make money. We got Alexa Kamor taking on Justin Ledette. Kamor minus 120, Ledette plus 100. Watching Kamor's fight on the Contender Series. Guy throws a lot of kicks, not so much with the hands, one with a flying knee. Um, I see that all as, and like, listen, Justin Ledette, I think he's like a flat earther. Bit of a jabroni. Yeah. Total bit of jabroni, a, big, bit of a jabroni. Big time, big time goofball. He's a jabber, though. And if somebody's throwing kicks, and we've seen that, you know, he came in at heavyweight, and he was, hey, this guy's got a really good jab for this. Hey, this guy is able to get some submissions and stuff. Obviously, he got absolutely destroyed by Johnny Walker uh, last time. Uh, spinning back fists. These things happen in MMA. I could totally see him just landing jabs at will. On this uh, Alexa Kamor guy, so um, maybe maybe Kamor's got more in the tank than I've seen on tape, but um, plus one hundred Ledet doesn't seem like the worst idea to me. I think he's got a five he's got a five to six inch reach advantage depending on the site that you look at. I think he's got like an eighty inch reach, whereas Kamor's got a seventy four inch reach. Like that's perfect for his jab game, which will make him an absolute horrible. Uh, DraftKings play when we get to that because he is always because jabs don't count as significant strikes. So all he's going to do is stand in the he's going to try to just stand in the pocket and just throw jabs all day long. I think he can do it for three rounds uh, in this spot. So as much as I I don't know if I'm going to bet him, but that is the side that I'm looking at right now. What about you? Yeah, yeah. It, it, this is this is a very much well priced spot where it's minus one twenty Alexa Kamura uh, plus one hundred Justin Ledeg. It's basically a pick 'em. It's even money. I mean, Kamura's got a better upside in that I think you know he's younger. Uh, I think maybe he could develop. It's just he's very green right now. So a plan that revolves solely around just feeding this guy a steady diet of jabs could potentially work. And that's Justin Ledeg's 
best pathman. Yeah, yeah. When he has a speed advantage over you and a height advantage over you, reach advantage over you, he makes good use of it. And he has a good height and reach advantage in this specific spot against Alexa Kimura. So could he just stay to the outside and kick away? Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. But again, coming back to the where yo head at, it's like he just got knocked out by his winning back fist in like 15 seconds by Johnny Walker. And prior to that, Alexander Rakic absolutely beat the brakes off him. And he's able but to those well, are he took two, him down at will. Those That's are good Rakic fights, said, man. Those are good fights. You know what I mean? It's like I, I, I hold no, no you know, negative thoughts. Ah, he lost to Alexander Rakic, who, who I like. And he lost to Johnny Walker, who hit him with a Johnny Walker type of move. Mm-hmm. It's like he's not that faded to me. But it's also like I don't know where he's at. Does he, is he just going to be content standing on the outside and jabbing his way all night? And the thing with Alexa Kimura is that um, he's got a Golden Gloves boxing background, and he's one of the top training partners for Stipe. So it's like he understands fighting a taller guy on the outside that has a significant Fair. boxing advantage. Like, he's not out of his element. Justin Ledette. I just found it interesting Justin on his Ledette contender series fight that, like, he, he barely threw his hands. Yeah, and he got stung. Was, he, got was, stung he got stung, too. That, that I didn't like, but Ledette's not a power puncher, right? No, no, no. So so him getting hurt, it's like, ah, I don't know that Ledette's going to be able to do that, right? And then with Justin Ledette, it's like, not only is he a flat earther, but like his view on the the shape of the earth is a lot like his career. He's a flat career. Like he won, he was won what, three fights in a row when he came to the UFC. And since then, it's just like tapered off. He makes no improvements. He stands at the outside and he jabs. He's got submission victories prior to coming to the UFC, but that submission game has just never translated. He's never shown it. His wrestling game, pfft, what wrestling game? He can't wrestle. He could stay on the outside and jab. And he was fighting useless heavyweights. It worked because he was faster than them, shorter, and had better gas tank. But dropping down to 205, it hasn't. Anyways, the point there being is that the version that you see with Justin Ledette in every fight in the UFC, same version. And what are we going to see come Saturday? The, the same Justin Ledette. Could he win based on that skill set that he's always had and that he always employs? Yeah, potentially. With Kamor, it's like, you, theoretically, he, he is getting better. You've seen the progression in his own career. He comes to the Contender Series. That was a good fight for him in the Contender Series because he got hurt, and he came back, and he wins. And, and it's just like, it's a, it's a gut-check perseverance. Now he's in the UFC, bright lights. But, man, you've been here before in the sense that, like, you've been here with Stipe. You've been here with Jeff Hughes. You helped corner those guys. You've been in UFC championship-level quality camps before. You were on Dana White's Contender Series in Las Vegas, so you've got that out of the way. Like... I would say you should probably just walk away from that, this fight altogether. But, yeah, there's a reason why he's the slight favorite. He's got slightly more things going for him. There's no, again, there's there's no world I want to bet Anthony Pettis. I just don't trust him. Mm-hmm. There's also no world where I want to bet Justin Ledette. How could you ever trust him? He He... He doesn't look like he takes it seriously, man. He wears shirts like I'd rather be boxing, and he shows up in flip-flops and, and pajama pants, and it looks like he just got out of bed. And then when he fights, there's no urgency, man. It's like, do not put your hard-earned money on somebody like that because you care a lot more than he does, believe me. And he's fighting in the goddamn UFC. So it, it, plus 100 is not good enough, and mm-hmm. it would have to be like plus 155 for me to change my thinking on him. But anything less than that, like, no way. Fair point. We got uh, Asker Askarov taking on Tim Elliott. Asker Askarov minus one thirty-five. Elliott plus one fifteen. I remember we were talking about Tim Elliott, and we were talking about you know guys. The guy likes to go and party. The guy who <laughs> likes to go and party. Like we, he he posted some really weird shit when he was like 
in Thailand, Thailand a few times. It looks like I was looking at, I was creeping his Instagram. He's date one. He's dating uh, Gina Mazzani. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and she's way bigger. Than I mean, he, he had a weird post where he had like, I, I'm guessing it's Gina Mazzani's daughter. And they're in the bathtub. Yeah, she's got a kid, yeah. Yeah, so they're in the bathtub, in the bathtub together, bathtub? which is, yeah, with her, which is kind of fucking weird. Because it ain't his kid. But, he, yeah, but it's like, it seems like he's at least, you know, he's living that dad life. There's a lot of pictures of him, like, um, you know, I seen one, taking her for bicycle bag, rides and he's stuff work, like that. He's working that. the speed bag, he's like, right? And then uh, it, it's her ace. He's fucking hitting her ace. And I was just like, yeah, it looks like he's having a good time. Looks like he's falling into the family man role. Yeah. Which I think is going to be good for this guy who has seemingly would go to Thailand and, and kind of go on vendors. Um, ask her, ask her of when he's taking on uh, Moreno. Most people actually had Moreno winning that fight. Uh, he ends up winning a real sketchy decision. It was a draw, but yeah. He, oh, sorry, was, yeah, he sorry, was lucky right. to get the draw. It was the draw. Considering it was a dicey fight. Uh, a lot of people had Moreno winning that one. He got re- uh, reversed a whole bunch of times against Moreno. And then like that. Tim Elliott. Scramble master. Scramble. Well, maybe not. He's no, he's no Dustin Ortiz scramble master. But. No, but he has a single ever DK record, does he not? Oh, uh, no. Holloway beat him. Holloway, Holloway beat him by like landing like 400 significant strikes against Brian Ortega. But up until that, yeah, 175 70, points yeah, against Louis Smolka. Yeah, um, there is potential for that to happen here. I, what's your take on Tim Elliott? Do you think... Do you think it's dad season? Do you think he's got dad swag, even though he's not actually the father? Yeah, well, okay, so here's the issue with Tim Elliott, is that Tim Elliott at his best was a grinder out of the Midwest, right? He's out of Kansas, and the guy just goes to his wrestling and grinds, 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 grinds. Makes it to the Ultimate Fighter, and it's very weird that he's on the Ultimate Fighter, considering like he's a bonafide badass, taking out a bunch of guys that just weren't in his league. And he runs right through them. That whole time, he's with Glory MMA and Fitness in Kansas under James Krause. Mm-hmm. Then he fights Demetrius Johnson. Wow. What a performance considering it's like, why the fuck is Tim Elliott fighting Demetrius Johnson? It's just like, yeah, you, you gave this guy a go. And right after that fight with Demetrius Johnson, beat Smolka and then left Kansas and went to Vegas. And I don't know, man. He's just not focused. He's not the same guy anymore. You're looking at his record right now. So start with Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And then say win. Okay, right. So, so fair enough. I catch, I catch what you're. I catch the vibe here. So after he beats or he loses Demetrius Johnson, he beats Lewis Smolka, who was an alcoholic Loss, drink and had a drinking win. problem at the time. Then he loses to Ben to win in 49 seconds when he got caught. Then he beat Mark De La Rosa. Win. Then he lost to Davison Figueroa. Now oh. he's getting Askarov. Uh oh. You know how I see this fight going, honestly? Tim Elliott's got really, really, really lackluster submission defense. He's not just getting caught like, oh, shit, he got outgrinded. It's like Ben Nguyen caught him in 49 seconds. Davidson Figueroa caught him in three minutes and eight seconds. Both of them are kind of fluky. Ben Nguyen just, he just ended up on his back with a rear naked choke. It was like that. It's because he's willing to scramble without worrying about his position. he does not worry about his neck whatsoever. He just jams it into bad positions. He thinks that he'll be able to get out of it, and he's proven time and time again that he cannot get out of it. This Askar Askarov guy can scramble as well. If you watch any of his fights in Russia prior to signing to the UFC, like he's got, I think he's got a striking advantage. I think he can, the only thing he's giving up is the cardio. But I got a feeling he's going to, catch him prior to the fight making it the 15 and if it does make it the 15 he should be able to bank enough to at least get a listen the thing with the Brandon Moreno fight is that like it was very closely contested but yeah people think 
people think Moreno won. People also think Askarov won. And people had the fight being a draw. Like, it was a very close competitive fight against a young, good, up-and-coming fighter who's got a very good ground game. Moreno's on his way up. You know, his prospect versus prospect. Elliot's not there anymore, man. Again, it's, it coincides with his move to Vegas. Now, here's, here's where I don't think him being with Gina Mazzani changes anything. Is that, like, he moves to Vegas. And I met him in Vegas. And he was fucked, dude. Now he goes to Thailand. And, like, he deleted all of that shit, eh? You try to find it. It does not exist. Now he comes back. Now he's still in Vegas. Now his career doesn't really look like it's taking off. Oh, he's got wins over a, a, a non-sober Lewis Smolka. It'd be better now. Mm-hmm. But again, style clash, it's like Smolka doesn't have a style to compete against a grindy wrestler like that. Regardless, Ben Nguyen smokes him out. He beats Mark De La Rosa, and then Davidson Figueroa submits him. There's, there's the interesting thing, is that Figueroa is not known for a submission game, yeah. and yet he submitted him. I think Asker Askarov, who, by the way, didn't look great in his UFC debut, UFC debut out of the way. Yeah, fair. Now you're getting a sophomore effort. He's got his feet a wet. A guy who's going to be apt to grapple, and if you He's got three rounds under his belt. Like, uh, yeah, advantage. yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? I mean, geez, 135? Seems too good to be true. But I'm going to give that title to Sodiak Youssef. But yeah, as far as like you're looking for fights that are value... We don't got a whole lot of dogs here. It doesn't look like a great dog card. Chad Skelly 225 could have been a great dog, but we'll never know. Yeah, that fight's Yeah, yeah what a kick in the balls. Yeah, it's canceled. It's off. It wasn't that I didn't think Grant Dawson was going to win. Grant Dawson, look, he's one of my guys. But 265 is a really bad price. I didn't like, I thought it he was a strike. bad spot. Well, I just thought it was a bad spot considering that Grant Dawson does all of his best work by wrestling. He's taking on like an NAIA uh yeah, top yeah, level, yeah, like all American, junior college, all American. Who's 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 a black belt, and so if the grappling nullified itself, yeah, Chad Skelly had massive striking advantages there. Anyways, that's so that that could be the lost dog of the card. We'll never know unless it gets rebooked. Who knows? Um, but in this spot, it's like, yeah, you might find yourself trying to chase a dog. I'm not going to chase dogs. I'm just going to look for those near even money spots. Yeah. Askarov 135 might be made. Sodi Yusef minus 130. You know, might be made. I'm still not fully sold on Claudia Gadelli at minus 105, but something to consider, yeah. you know, because, again, it's, it's near even money fight. That's where we'll get some of that value. And, of course, you can parlay all of those with my opinion. You put them with Nazareth, and you put them with um, Macy Barber. Yeah. And bet them individually. Bet, bet a parlay, three-fight parlay, Barber, Nazareth, Askarov. The next one, Nazareth, Barber, uh, Yusuf. Like, that's how confident I am in those top two. The other ones is where we're chasing a little bit of value, but that's where I think the money is to be made. We have Odie Osborne taking on Brian Kelleher, minus 140 Osborne. Brian Kelleher is plus 120. I saw over the break, Kelleher was like borderline begging to like fight at natural weight. And rapping. And uh, was he rapping too? Yeah, he raps a lot. Um... I feel like John Lineker, taking that damage against John Lineker kind of broke this guy. It may have. And he's given up 7-inch reach advantage. I mean, Odie Osborne, his fight on the Contender Series, getting an armbar for guard, like, that shit doesn't happen in the Yeah, it was getting taken down real easy, too. Yeah, that shit doesn't happen in the top-level UFC type of action. People just don't get armbars from guard. So I kind of, like, didn't... I just discredited that win entirely. But it's hard for me to get on board with Brian Kelleher, who seems to want to be involved in broadcasting. He wants to be given his shake at that. I don't know how committed this guy is to fighting anymore. And over the break, I don't know if the tweet, like, I, I forget which day it was, but 
I saw him posting, like, hopefully somebody can reach out to my opponent and maybe we cannot cut weight coming into this. I mean, we all have holidays and we all eat a little bit too much over the holidays and that type of stuff. And most of us don't have to uh, shed, like, 20% of our weight uh, leading up to a specific little small time period and, and make weight. But that was kind of a red flag for me as well. Um, I don't know if I'm going to bet Odie Osborne, but I'm not touching Brian Keller. I'll tell you that much. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what the sh- question question for the DK dollars should have been is like, who's the most untrustworthy fighter on this card? Because there's just so many, and Brian Keller again falls into that category. You don't know where his head's at. He's ultra talented. He's got all the skills in the world to beat Odie Osborne. It's just you don't know if he's going to put them together. Listen, first of all, what's Odie Osborne's biggest weakness is takedown defense. And Brian Kelleher, New York boy, decent wrestler. Not good wrestler. Decent wrestler. Good enough to get this fight to the ground. When the fight gets to the ground, Brian Kelleher, black belt. Good black belt. Good submission. Submission defense lacking for whatever reason. But like as far as him being on top, like, good. How's his striking? <laughs> Pressure striker. Swings bombs. Gets in your face. Went hard against John Lineker before he got knocked out. Put the absolute beating of a lifetime on Henan Brown. Stand in the pocket with him. Guy's got skills all over, but it's like he finds ways to lose, you know? Like, whether, whether he's getting caught in submission. And, and I think that's very much somebody one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when Robin Black got released from Fight Network, actually, Brian Kelleher reached out to him. Brian Kelleher not signed to the UFC at this point. Brian Kelleher reached out to him, and he was just like, hey, I'm an MMA fighter, and I have a podcast. We should do a podcast together. A, a fighter and, you know, an ex-fighter analyst. We should do a po- And Robin just kind of brushed it off. Like, six months later, he beat Julio Arce, future UFC veteran. But he beat him on the regional scene. Beat him twice, actually. And then goes to the UFC. Then he beat Yuri Alcantara. Whoa. Then he had that big win over Henan Burrell. Whoa. And mo- more importantly to anything is that he won a fight of the night against Damien Stasiak. This is what perhaps kind of ruins Brian Kelleher. Is that Brian Kelleher tastes the $50,000 bonus. And Brian Kelleher stops using his effective weapons in light of... Why would you stand in front of John Lineker? Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? Because you want 50 Gs, baby! (laughs) you wanted the 50 Gs. Against Montel Jackson. Montel Jackson's one of these young, hot, up-and-coming prospects. He's on the way up. Keller's on his way down. Kelleher does not fight a good game plan against him. Well, he just takes that elbow to the side of the dome, and he he crumbled. And then then he gets caught in the dark. That's why I think Lineker may have broken this guy's durability. Yes, yes. And Montel Jackson... um, you know, he's got a great size for MMA, and I think he could be a good prospect. But yep. he's not, he's got long arms. The Darce is obviously a move that would work very well for him, but he's not known for a submission game. And Keller is a black belt. He shouldn't have gotten submitted, but it was the damage. Jeez. Now, now part of you's thinking, I'm hurt. Kind of want out. Maybe he takes that out. It's seeing everything he's done since then. 13 months off on the sidelines after that fight. Failed rapping career, wants to do podcasts, wants to do broadcasting stuff. But I have an opportunity here to fight an up-and-coming prospect, similar to the last guy. If I mind my P's and Q's and take this guy down and now grapple him, I, I can win this fight. If I lose this fight, I'm cut. It's the end of the road. And, yeah. and you know what? I'm, I'm kind of sick of this shit anyways. I'm a 30-fight veteran. I fought in tough guys. I fought in the UFC. I've won a bonus. I beat a former champion, Henan Burrell. I'm okay with how my career ended up. I'm getting older. This could be my last off. So what do you do? You hunt for 50 Gs, baby! And that's what's going to get him caught. So... To be honest, this is probably a pass. Like, I, I, I don't love it from either. A lot of passes on this card. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the problem is that like I'm and I'm gonna run it down and give you my official picks. And Audie Osborne is that official pick, but it's like it's not. 
You gotta, you gotta be smart. We're anxious because it's the first card of the year. Yeah, it's a McGregor card. Everyone's got their their bank accounts stocked up for the new year. Hey, we want to do some damage. It's like the best way to beat these guys is to not just go bank every. Co- and by the way, this is a card very much where it's like if tomorrow if something was getting canceled on it, and I, I like this fight, and I, it's going to be an entertaining fight. But if like if something on this fight is not appealing to you whatsoever, is that you know like all the other fights you could kind of want to see. Audi Osborne, Odie Osborne, sorry, was getting taken down like nothing. Slammed an armbar for guard. By the way, Odie Osborne, right? This this is important to note here. Prior to that, he beat this Kelly Offield cape. Prior to that, he beat Orlando Delaney, who was three and eight. Prior to that, he fought Orlando Delaney again, who was three and seven at the time. And prior to that, he lost by knee bar in 24 seconds. Knee bar in 24 seconds. And that was only two years ago. Yeah. So it's like, I, this is not a good prospect. No. This is not a highly touted prospect. This is some guy who's friends with Pettis, by the way. He's a Wisconsin guy from Pura Vida who's on the card. And Kelleher, they're doing Kelleher a favor here. This is totally a winnable fight for you. Yep. But I don't trust where Kelleher's at because I, I think he's pulling back. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you know, a pass is a smart play. I'm sorry to say it. And finally, we've got your baby. J.J. Aldrich taking on Sabino Mazzo. Aldrich, ever so slight favorite, minus 115, minus, or minus 105. Basically a straight pick him. Who you got? Yeah, straight pick him. Tough to read, honestly. Sabino Mazzo, I, I think that she's got a very uh, promising future. I think this is going to be a very good fight. I think she's going to have a good chance to showcase off all of her improvements and all that. But she's 22 years old. And when you see her fight, you see that potentially there's greatness there. Potentially there's someone who's going to be, you know, a contender at the very least. Definitely a top five, top ten fighter down the road at 125 pounds. But she's 22 years old, man. Like, you can't rush the, proce- the, the process. That's why I like what they're doing for Macy Barber. Macy Barber, who also, also got the J.J. Aldridge treatment already. But Macy Barber needs to be fighting the Roxanne Montefiore's that don't pose a huge threat so she can grow both in age, both in size, physicality, game, awareness, all those things, reflexes, just develop properly before you go and you fight that next level of fighter, right? They're doing it the right way there. This is going to be a tough enough fight for Sabina Mazzo. She's got to go out there and do the same thing that Macy Barber did, and that's probably whether a tough opening round from J.J. Aldrich and then pull it together. But that's where I think that she'll have the advantage there. Is that J.J. Aldrich, for how much as I like her, and this is definitely a striker versus striker battle, J.J. Aldrich is cleaner. Uh, uh, but the fucking game plan falls right to shit after the first round with Aldrich, I find. She either has to be having her way, or if, it's, if the cards are starting to get stacked against her, she kind of falls apart a little bit. And there's the thing with Mazo. Mazo's last fight against Shayna Dobson. Yeah, Shayna Dobson, I get it, I get it. But you just got to look on pure output numbers, right? She absolutely trounces her with volume. She's got kicks. She's got knees. She's got punches. She's a lot taller. She's a lot ranger. She's got a bigger reach than J.J. Aldridge. So it's up to J.J. Aldridge to dictate the dance. And J.J. Aldridge, you look at all of her fights, the numbers aren't there. You know, the Macy Barber fight, she had a good first round, but then as soon as she got hit clean, she reels backwards. Other fights that she's had, like the Juliana Lima fight, like how are you not being Lima? But it's like, once she started getting frustrated with the fact that she was giving up takedowns, she stopped throwing punches because she's worried about the takedowns. Mazo could attempt a takedown, but I think the best path, stay to the outside, outpoint this girl. And just land kicks. Now, J.J. Aldrich is, I know she got finished by Barber, but for the most part, it's like, she's tailor-made for decisions. Striking, 15 minutes, decision. She trains with girls like Raquel Pennington, Tisha Torres, Rose Namajunas. She knows what she's doing. This is likely going 15. Sabina Mazzo, meanwhile, she's a King's MMA girl, Rafael Cordero. That's why she's got such a crisp, almost like a throwback to a, to a shoot-to-box Muay Thai style. She's, you know, aggressive. And she can handle it, too, because she's not shop-worn like all that. But uh, she's, she's young. Like, she's still there to make mistakes. Close fight. I'm going Sabina Mazzo. Um, 
but yeah, honestly, I, I, I'm not going to tell you pass again because I'm sure people are starting to get frustrated with that. But is, is that is that really a fight that you look at and you're just like, I got a sick lean on this. We're going to make yeah. some money. Unless you thought, I know Mazzo. She's the real deal. And you know what? I watch, I watch her whole LFA run. I know people that are friends with her. Apparently, she's the real deal. I'm buying into it a little bit. But, like, J.J. Aldridge is the perfect type of opponent to just, like, exploit small little weaknesses. Marina Moroz, right? Marina Moroz versus Sabina Mazzo two fights ago. It's Sabina Mazzo's uh, UFC debut. Marina Moroz has not looked good in years and looked... Whoa, did she ever look good against Mazzo? Off what? Technical boxing. That's all she needed. Mazzo's mm-hmm. tall, doesn't move her head particularly well, and is very hittable. J.J. Aldridge has the same thing. The difference there is Moroz just came out. She came out with it. And, like, J.J. just hasn't shown... That propensity in a while so that's the pick running down quickly or quickly i should say and then and then you want to get to dk or do you want to mm-hmm. do dk and then do the rundown do the rundown okay we're gonna go conor mcgregor holly holm maurice green claudia gadelia carlos diego ferreira macy barber so dq Yusef, nazareth hack Paras. cancel that's that grant dawson skelly fight mm-hmm. uh we're gonna go alexa kamur asker askarov I'm going to take Brian Kelleher only because I want because one this is dog. A winnable I fight. want one dog, and it is a winnable fight, plus 120. Honestly, this, this, that could be a 50-50. He's plus 120. Um, he's got pass for sure. That'll be my one dog, and then I'm going to cap off. With, actually, Mazo's technically speaking the dog right now. It's just you're not getting plus money on it. No. Minus 105 versus minus 115 for J.J. Aldrich. Going down to DraftKings. Conor McGregor, again... He's going to be very, very, very heavily owned. His upside is that knockout in the first two rounds, but you're not going to get no takedowns, no ground transitions. He just goes out there and hits him with a Celtic cross straight left and knocks him out. $9,400 is, like, still pretty high enough. So, yeah, it's worth a play. Yeah, if he gets but, a Celtic cross right down, the, right down the pipe, knocks him out, gets a knockdown, plus 90 points. He can get 100, but he doesn't necessarily end up on an optimal lineup. It doesn't necessarily And happen. he's going to be, like, 50% owned. Yeah. Yeah, and he's going to be very high ownership. So do, do I recommend him play on Conor McGregor? I mean, yeah, I, I, I see him winning. I see him scoring points, but you got to be weary on that. High ownership, and he has a high price tag. Don Storoni, flip side to that. Dude, value all day, $6,800. If this guy's going to win, he's going to score you a lot of points. If you get a third-round submission, fourth-round submission, fifth-round submission, whatever, and anything mixed in the mix, even if he gets his ass kicked but was able to survive two, three rounds, got a couple takedowns, plus some significant strikes, $6,800 is a really low price tag. You won't win a GPP like that, but uh, as far as the cash game goes. Holly Holm, 8,900. What? Yeah, right. He'd have to kick Ronda in the head to score anywhere near 8,900. Raquel yeah. Pennington, $7,300. Like, honestly, or she just brawls to the clinch, clinches to get you up against the cage, and that's it. Oh, Take you down, stay, sloppy. You stay, you stay the fuck away from Holly Holm versus Raquel Pennington. That's, that, that's, that's a hard pass. Maurice Green at 8,400. The recency bias there is that, like, oh, shit, the last two guys that fought Alexei Olenek knocked him out in the first round. Maurice Green, kickboxer, you know, way younger than him, could knock him out too. That's a hard pass. Alexei Olenek is $7,800. More merit to that. He, all he's got to do is get this guy down mm-hmm. once, submits him. Also, there's no denying that Maurice Green can't take a great punch. He does get wobbled in a lot of his punches. That last fight with Pavlich. Pavlich is a power wrestler as well, from Russia. He just clips him with the right hand, and it, it, it's weird almost. Herb just stops the fight premature because he doesn't even know what Green's doing. Like, Green's just flopping over in there. Worrisome. Again, if, if Olenek is like two years younger, this is the play. But 42 years old, a lot of questions there. But but he is the play. $7,800, I see some merit there too, especially if you're, you're going for it, right? Claudia Gadelli, $8,300. If she goes and just runs right through Grosso, the issue there is that Grosso is hard enough to submit, so maybe she doesn't get the submission, and she's not going to get six takedowns. 
If she gets one takedown, Grasso's not getting up. So she could really just go into cruise control, win the first two rounds, take the third off, not score you a ton there. So I would look to pass on that. Grasso, even if Grasso keeps it standing and just boxes her up, no takedowns, no ground transitions, no knockdowns, none of that, $1,700, still not a great price tag. So I would I would pass on, on both of them. That mm-hmm. women's fight, both women's fight, off. Diego Ferreira, $9,000. He could submit Pettis. He could somehow put away Pettis. I'm not feeling it. I think it's too little too rich. You could go for it a little too rich. Anthony Pettis is $7,200. I'm not a Pettis guy. I think I've made that very clear, but $7,200? Like, god damn. He's a punt. He's the definition of a punt. High reward punt, for sure. Mm-hmm. Macy Barber, $9,500. Oh, I'm man. paying up for her instead of Conor McGregor. She's I'll one, find the extra $100. She's $100 more, more than Conor McGregor, and she is just so much safer. She averages like, like 105.5 points. She could potentially get takedowns. I, I think she's just going to avoid the grappling altogether against Roxanne, who is super, super... Uh, experienced, obviously, but yeah, I'm finding the extra dollar just to pay up for, or a hundred, hundred bucks on DraftKings just to pay up for Macy rather than Connor. Yeah, Roxanne would be considered a punt, but not, not in my world. That's no, that's definitely, you. definitely going to pass off that altogether. So did Yusef, $8,500 versus Feely. Listen, I like Yusef, I like Feely, both guys have some merit. Yusef at $8,500, not going to finish Feely, I don't think. Feely been knocked out the one time by Yair Rodriguez. If you remember, it was an eye poke set up by a head kick. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. It, it's going to be hard to put him away. I don't know that Yusef does that. 8500 pass. Feely, 77 Way more appealing. However, he would just need a lot of takedowns. That decision victory, like he's gonna need he's gonna need decent enough to get up to seventy seven. I think I'm, I'm gonna, gonna play him. I'm hitting a pass on that too. Nazareth Feely and hope that he that he wrestles. Nazareth at ninety three hundred. I'm interested enough on that only because he is one of the high end plays. But he's gonna be. I think he should be less owned less owned than Macy Barber and Conor McGregor. And I think he's got high upside. Likely will be. Yep. Drew Dober sixty nine hundred dollars. I mean, I can't completely write him off, but just I'm so sold on Nazareth. I'm not thinking about Dober. That fight's off. Uh, Kamor versus Justin Ledet. Kamor, $8,800 despite being a minus 120. It's just like, man, is that a mistake? He's not going to be owned. Yeah, not going to be owned. And, and could he knock out Justin Ledet? Well, Ledet got knocked out 15 seconds last fight, but he's been shown to have an okay chin, and that was a spinning back fist of 15 seconds in. Like, and that's what Johnny Walker does to people. Yeah, it's very but hard like to Ledet do. But like, on the other side happen. at 7,400, it's just like the guy just likes to jab. That doesn't get scored. No, no. So, Even if he wins all three rounds very clearly, 20 significant strikes per round and a decision victory. He could end like with still, like 50 points with yeah, a decision like, win. Like, yeah, like we're I not, don't want not, any part of looking Justin for that. Askarov is high price at $8,700 compared to being only just minus 135 on the, on the price line. If he was like 85, 84, all day I like this guy because I think it's going to be a high scoring affair and I think he's going to snatch up the neck. Tim Elliott, Tim Elliott for $7,500, it's like an automatic roster. This guy's got so much upside, but if he gets caught, he's not going to score anything. So my personal move is Askarov. I think this is the fight you have a second and third look at. You're going to want definite exposure on either side of this one somehow. Odie Osborne versus Kelleher. If Kelleher's got one foot out the door and, and he's not fully in it, Odie Osborne could finish him. I, I don't see him finishing, though. I see Kelleher either coming out here and giving a one last hurrah and submitting Odie Osborne or the fight just being a complete pass from either side. So maybe a little bit of Kelleher, nothing on Osborne. And then Aldridge versus Mazzo, I have to hit a hard pass on both sides of that. Just don't see it being high enough scoring to... to Mazzo or bust. Yeah, you get a Mazzo looping leg, uh, you know, head kick. She's got nasty head kicks. Or bust. And Aldrich is the type of person, if you hit her with the kick, it doesn't have to knock her out. It just has to hurt her. And then, and then she'll, 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 she'll get thinking about it. And then the next shot's not even that heavy, but she's already thinking about it, and it causes her to fall and whatever. So, Yeah, anyways, good luck. 
hope everybody had a good New Year, and uh, let's get back in the thick of things. Get rolling. Back into the thick of things, um, and no way to do it uh, like a Conor McGregor card to kind of get the year rolling here. It was a nice long break. I think everyone's kind of refreshed and looking forward to a profitable uh, 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Any final thoughts? No, that's it. So good luck to everybody, and let's let's make some money to start off the year. That is Cody Saftig, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for... Uh, Coming in and do it. We'll have uh, the Zach attack back next week, switching, uh, doing all the stuff. He's a student. He's got things to do. So uh, wasn't able to make it for this episode, but uh, Zach will be back behind the uh, sticks moving forward. For Cody, I am Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.